I'm Sarah. I'm Emily. And this is Sisters Take a Side on the case where I can't pick a side. Hey, girl. Oh, hey. Good to see you. I know. Happy recording day. Happy recording day. I think noon on Sundays are now like my favorite time and day. It's like the best part of waking <laughs> is sisters it's take us inside. <laughs> I we just the, the three people that listen to our podcast just all turned it off. They all turned it off. They're like, okay, well, that's all I need for that today. Except Liz and Mike, they're still here. <laughs> Liz and Mike, shout out to Liz and Mike, who truthfully are like our biggest fans. They're so excited. Liz and Mike are our parents, right? And prob- probably Tomothy too. Confused. Tomothy, my husband. Yeah, I got, you know, guys, I got like a legit chuckle out of him about our last episode, about Anthony Weiner episode. You and Tomothy is a pretty stoic guy. He is. I mean, to get a chuckle out of Tomothy, that's like. Tomothy gave it a chuckle. That, I mean, I'll take it. I'll take a chuckle from Tomothy. That's fine. Well, so what are we talking about today? All right. So we are talking about. The Michelle Carter, Conrad Roy, the Massachusetts of it all. Yes, we are. Is there going to be a Massachusetts Massachusetts accent? So can I tell you? Give it to us. Give it to us. I can't. I can't because I'm. I don't want to embarrass myself, and I can't look at you while I do it because it's just okay. It has to happen organically. It has to happen organically. If it comes out, it comes out. I'm not going to force it. But I'm pretty we sure every to the bar. Pretty much, I'm pretty sure every one of our New England relatives were somehow in this documentary that I watched on this case. Yes, I'm pretty sure they were all interviewed, and I've never felt more at home watching something in my entire life. So yes, um, I guess tell me what do you know about this case? Yeah, so I just kind of have a brief, like a real brief understanding just from, you know, other podcasts I've listened to. But basically, my understanding is that Michelle and was dating this guy, Conrad, and Conrad um, died by suicide. But there were some implications that Michelle was involved in the sense that she was like texting him and I think calling him maybe while he was um, carrying out his suicide attempt Mm -hmm. and basically was like on the phone with him the entire time he was doing this um, and, you know, didn't alert authorities or emergency services. And then I know there was um, like a, like a court case about this because Mm -hmm. of course people were like, Oh, look how cute she looks in court. Like just all that gross Mm -hmm. stuff. Um, But I don't, know the outcome I, I don't know if she was held like criminally responsible but i know that that was kind of like the theme of it so yeah um and i and you bring up a good point you know can you be criminally responsible in this case mm-hmm. and i think um so the format for today is going to be a little bit different than the way okay. we did it last week um you're not going to quote huma abedin's book i'm not going to quote 14 times? No, no i'm not going to i'm not going to quote a book i'm not going to go into <laughs> a conspiracy theory Actually, I take that back. I, I actually take that oh. back. There is there is there is this ridiculous theory that I couldn't help myself. I had to include it. Fantastic. Um, Wait, so you're telling me this is actually about a true crime case? Then, like, this is this- an actual. <laughs> this is a crime case. Congratulations! Crime case. We finally a, made it. Yeah, this is a court case. It's a crime case. Um, and really, you know, like 
depending on who you ask, this was pre- this was a precedent setting case. Sure. Um, yeah. This case relies entirely. The I mean. Like when you go back and watch the court footage of this case, like mm-hmm. so much of it is based on text messages. This entire case revolves yeah. around a transcript of text messages between a 17-year-old and an 18-year-old. Now just could you imagine no, like, I can't having your like I mean, the stupid shit you would text people when you were 17? No. Could you imagine could you someone imagine? some old farty judge reading and then Sarah said and you're like, well. Yeah, and then on top of that, having it read to the world on national television. I mean, it's that's – so embarrassing. Yeah. It, like, it, it hurts my heart. Um, <laughs> so, yeah. So, that's what we're going to talk about today. Any trigger warnings for today you want to tell the people about? Yes. I'm really glad you asked. Um, so, this – I mean, obviously, this is going to cover um, uh, suicide – uh, eating disorders, um, anxiety, depression, uh, Ooh, children. Kit and caboodle. I, girl, I'm telling you. <laughs> like, I'm fascinated by this case, but it's awful. Like, we're going to spend yeah. the next, like, hour plus talking about, like, something awful. Um, so if any of those are particular triggers for you, um, dearest listener, then take care. Okay. Um, so since you don't know a lot, let's go into kind of a general overview of this case. Yeah. Um, so in July of 2014, um, a Massachusetts teenager, Conrad Roy III, is found in a pickup truck registered to his grandfather in a Kmart parking lot. Conrad was found um, to have died by suicide. He was 18 years old at the time of his death. Mm. It was later found that Conrad's 17-year-old girlfriend – now, in my notes, I have that in quotes, <laughs> obviously not a visual medium. Um, Conrad's 17-year-old girlfriend, Michelle Carter, was later found to have encouraged Conrad um, in numerous text messages. And text messages, emails, voicemails. When I say numerous, I'm talking in the thousands. Oh, my God. Okay? Yeah. Including calls, voicemails, text messages, minutes before Conrad died by suicide. Michelle Carter was later charged with involuntary manslaughter. Mm-hmm. Following a trial, Michelle was found guilty oh, wow. of involuntary manslaughter. Um, the verdict was largely decided on Michelle's final phone call to Conrad in which she ordered, again, I have that in quotes, ordered him back into his truck as it filled up with carbon monoxide. Oh, God. That's horrible. Michelle was initially sentenced to two and a half years in prison, of which later was reduced to 15 months, of what? which she served 11 months and 12 days. Shut up. Wait, and so what was – I'm sorry. What was her charge? Involuntary manslaughter? Involuntary manslaughter. She was found – she was charged and found guilty of involuntary manslaughter. Is that the one where it's like you accidentally kill somebody? Or, is, or keep your shirt sorry. on. We'll get there. <laughs> I don't have nine and a half handwritten pages of notes for nothing. All right. Nice. I've got you covered. She's not, she's not kidding. This case was historical because it begged the question, what is the nature and limits of criminal responsibility? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. So. Oh, I liked it. That was a nice little. <laughs> Girl. Girl. <laughs> 
we, we didn't cut that, but that's the end. Wrap us up. <laughs> All right, I we're done, folks. Sound like I know what I'm talking about. You sound great. Guys, Sarah was really nervous because this is so the nervous. first episode that she's done where she was doing the research, but she's I'm doing shaking. great. Right, everybody? I'm shaking. Um, so <laughs> about my process, because I think this is important. Okay. Um, I spent – there's a phenomenal documentary on um, HBO. Mm-hmm. It's called I Love You, Now Die. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Just some light television. Just, um, you know, a little – don't even don't even lie like you weren't watching that as part of your, like, your relaxing Friday night ritual. I, <laughs> I know you were. Don't even – like, I don't – Please. So I've been fascinated by this case from the beginning. I remember when this happened. I remember when it came mm-hmm. out. Um, and I remember thinking, like, how like she she texted him to death? Like that's yeah. outrageous. Um the documentary when it finally came out, and, and there are other shows. I think Hulu has a show out called The Girl from Plainville. Yeah, but it but it's not it's not like it's like a fiction, not fiction, it's, but like it's a what is the word I'm looking for? Dramatization, maybe. Yeah. Brain hurts. <laughs> yeah. Um, so the documentary was fantastic. I largely used the documentary for my, my research okay. and my notes. Mm-hmm. Um, and reason- we'll link to that in the show notes, guys. Yes. Yeah. Um, it's really good if you haven't seen it. Really good. It's very informative. Mm-hmm. Um, Largely because there's so much footage from this trial. I mean, from start to finish, this documentary covers the trial. You're in the courtroom. I mean, it, it's it's good. Um, yeah. And it, for, for my purposes, was really helpful. Um, so I kind of want to start at the beginning. I, I want to. Yeah, take, take us rewind. through it. Yep. Um, so. On July 13th, 2014, Fairhaven police put out a missing persons call for an 18-year-old Conrad Roy III. Um, He did not come home the previous evening, July 12th, 2014. Um, His mother, Lynn, who, like a side note, is absolutely stunningly gorgeous. Okay, girl. I could not... I don't know how she's standing. I don't know. I mean, yeah, I, it's horrible. It's horrible. Um, how how old was Conrad again when he died? Conrad Roy was eighteen years old when he. Ugh, yeah, that's away. just that's awful. Yeah, um, he was the oldest. He, he was um, he was the oldest, you know, child in his family. Um, only boy, <clears throat> I believe. Um, his mom is quoted in this documentary saying that when she woke up on the 13th and Conrad wasn't home, she's quoted as saying, I knew, I knew that he wasn't here. I knew that something terrible had happened and something terrible did happen. So Fairhaven police find um, the truck that Conrad had last been in. Um, They found it in the back of the Kmart parking lot. Mm -hmm. Conrad had died by suicide. Um, he had a, I I don't know the the full mechanics of it. He had like a water pump that was generating like a, a, a a gas pump or something. (laughs) I don't, long story short, (laughs) I'm sorry. (laughs) Jacking this up right from the beginning. 
I'm not a mechanic. I'm sorry. <laughs> Guys, she doesn't fix cars for a living. Long I'm story short, he, he it was like CO2 poisoning, right? Yeah, it was blowing carbon monoxide into the car, and so he he committed suicide. He died by Is suicide. It carbon by- dioxide or carbon monoxide? One is air and one is a poisonous <laughs> gas, I think. Emily, stop. Um, okay. I have carbon dioxide because that's what was reported. Okay. No, oh, I think it's I carbon let's, monoxide. Okay. Let's go with what was reported, not what Emily remembers from fucking ninth grade chemistry class. Oh, my okay. God. Sorry. This is embarrassing. Carbon. All right. No, this is not. Um, no one is listening to this because they think we're Nobel Peace Prize winners <laughs> in chemistry. So carbon Fair. monoxide. Carbon monoxide. Um, but I will cut he, that if you don't want people to think you're a hot dummy. That would be preferable, please. <laughs> I'm keeping it in. Oh, God. Um, <laughs> so, yeah. So the, so he was found in the Kmart parking lot. Um, obviously, he was deceased. Mm-hmm. Um, the Fairhaven police went ahead and um, the responding officers, and, and this was a little bit interesting, they decided to go ahead and take his phone. Really? Um, really? Mm-hmm. It was dead when they took it, so they, it needed to be charged. So they plug it in the police station. Huh. I wonder if that – I would love to know if that is, like, usual protocol. Yeah. You know, it, they did make a point to say, you know, luckily the responding huh. officer – Because if you think about it, I mean, his family, his his, his father was on the scene. That wow. they didn't hand over the phone to his father. Right? Yeah. Well, oh. I get – God, yeah. I don't know. if Hey, if anyone listening knows, like if you're in law enforcement and you know kind of the protocol around that, write in. I'd love to know. Sarah's making a face. Sarah's like, please don't write in and tell us that we're just wrong about all this. No, <laughs> no, no, like, no. I would, no, no, I would love to know. Yeah. I, we know people in law enforcement and I don't want to ask them. So please write in and tell us. <laughs> um, yeah. So so they take his phone. Uh, they charge it at the police station. Once charged, they go ahead, um, they, you know, they get into his phone. Um, Conrad had left a journal of goodbye letters and notes for his family. And in those letters and notes, he included his bank password, his phone password, his laptop password. I mean, like every password. Think of like all of the passwords you have. I mean, he left all of that. He was not like – he knew what he was doing. It was clear that he he went there he had with a the plan. intention of dying by suicide. Yeah. A, a, a thousand percent. Oh, God. Um, so they were able to get into his phone. Um, the The officer opens up his messages thread. There's only one thread open, and it's from Michelle Carter. Now, at this point in time, no one knows who Michelle Carter is. She's, you know, who is Michelle Carter? Mm-hmm. Um, so the officer starts going through and reading. Mm. He says messages were disturbing in general. Mm-hmm. And the running theme was a consistent and constant encouragement to end his life. Oh, man. So this is all, this is in July. Obviously, you know, the family is devastated. Um, yeah, his poor parents. God. Yeah. yeah I mean, what do you, you know. Yeah. What do you do? So on October 2nd of 2014, police decide to interview Michelle Carter. Again, she up to this point, like, who is Michelle other than this girl in his phone 
that mm-hmm. he has been so in like his parents contact. weren't like oh you should talk to like the love of his life michelle carter no like- so and his mom's dead like you know i knew that he was like texting mm-hmm. this girl named michelle like i would see him on his phone but you know i didn't i had no idea like no i didn't know who okay she so was. They, okay so there it wasn't like the parents pointed them in the direction, the police in the direction of. No, no. Okay. No, they did this based on his cell phone records. So October 2nd, uh, Mattapoise police head on up to Plainville, mm-hmm. Massachusetts, where 17-year-old Michelle Carter goes to school and lives. Um, she's from Plainville, girl from Plainville. Put those pieces I think together. you should just say Plain. you should explain the relevance of Plainville <laughs> one more time. <laughs> Um, so police interview Michelle. She admits, um, that he, he did talk about suicide and ending his own life often. Mm-hmm. Um, she didn't really know what to do. She's quoted as saying, um, the police officers do decide to go ahead and take her phone as well. They tell her, we have a search warrant for your phone. Oh, shit. Um, okay. Mm-hmm. So can they, they went ahead do and do that and took without it. like parental consent? They can just like it's interesting that you say that. I would be curious to know. I mean, if you have a search warrant, like what is a parent? Yeah, I guess that, yeah, do. Yeah, that's true. I would say it's true, but but you like know? that's so interesting to me. Like they are interviewing her without her parents around, or like talking to her without her parents around. Yeah, I I don't. Could you imagine if the police wanted to talk to Little Sprinkle or <laughs> Little Meatball? I could you imagine? Hold me back. Could you imagine? We would all, all of us would show up there. <laughs> Their fan club would be there, just <laughs> pounding on the door. Yeah, I mean, I think that's a good question. Like, how did they? You know, I don't know. Does the does custodial right of a child transfer to the school at that point if she's on school grounds? I don't know. Oh don't, shit, that's a good point. I hadn't thought about that. I just pulled that straight out of my ass. Oh, she just made that up, guys. Okay, I just made it up. I don't know if that's true, but you maybe just spoke it is. So confidently, like with the confidence of like. A mediocre white dude. You just like owned that. Good for you. Okay. <laughs> so we don't know, guys. We have no idea. My know. children are not school aged yet, so I don't know anything about what goes into that. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. They did show up with a search warrant, though, okay. so they went there with the intention of, you know, damn, something's okay. going on here, right? Could you imagine the absolute terror you would feel if you're 17 years old and the police are like, "We're gonna take your cell phone." A match. Think about that for a second. I know. So, and it's funny. So they played in this documentary. They played um, the recordings of them interviewing Michelle. Oh God! She's like shit a brick, and she's like, you know, the police officer's like, "Is this your phone?" She's like, "Yeah, like it's a little broken. Hee <laughs> hee. Mm-hmm. The screen is cracked." And they're like, "Oh, like, can you get into it? Is it password protected?" And she's like, "Yeah." So she opens it for them. Right. And they're like, okay, well, great. Thanks so much. We have a search oh, warrant for this. We're going to go ahead and take this. And she's like, uh, uh, like, you're going to take my phone? Like, you're, you're taking my phone? Oh. Do, do I get it back? And the police officer's like, yeah, I mean, eventually once we're done with it. <laughs> oh. Okay. Oh, I have no. to admit, I'm like sympathizing with her a little in this moment. I'm fe- like, well, that's kind of, a, I feel like that's a really vulnerable thing as a 17 year old. It's a vulnerable thing as now. a 30 year old. Like, remember when, like, Liz and Mike used to, like, take our phones from us as teenagers and you just – that, like, your stomach just absolutely drops Dropped out of your feet. butt. And you're like, yeah. God, please don't let one of my friends text something. <laughs> <laughs> like, 
You're sending out the bat signal to like all your friends. Like, yes. don't text me. Don't call me. I don't exist. Liz has got that Nokia phone plugged in at her bedside table. And we ain't getting that shit back till the morning. Do oh, my God. Me. That's so funny. I just got like secondhand. Yeah, you're right. I just got like secondhand like anxiety. Aren't you sweating? I'm sweating. I'm sweating so badly. <laughs> People, it's November. And it is, it is November. 75 degrees outside. I am yeah. in Virginia. I am sweating. Okay. Anyway. Great. So <laughs> we're all sweating together. Um, okay. So Massachusetts police take Michelle's phone. They print out all 2,000 plus text oh. messages between Michelle Shit. Carter and Conrad Roy. I take it home for a little light reading before bed. Mm. Both officers come back. Yeah. Both officers come back to work the next day, look at each other and say, we have, this is, we have something here. Damn. Um, One of the officers is quoted as saying, if it were not for Michelle Carter, he would be alive today. Mm. They knew at that point, this was something criminal. Um, So of course they loop in the DA. Sarah's turning, forward. Sarah's turning the page on her hand. Right I'm trying to do it so quietly so the mic doesn't pick up. <laughs> Don't worry. I'll blast you on mic. Um, so fast forward to February 6th, 2015. A grand jury returns an indictment for involuntary manslaughter. Now, um, the basis of this, and this is very important. I want to, I want us to really focus because really this case is, is law yeah. It's not whatever else it could be. It's law. <laughs> I don't know what that means, but stick with me. Okay. <laughs> um, so the basis for this indictment, um, the unlawful killing of Conrad Roy III by wanton and reckless conduct. That's okay. so the involuntary manslaughter clause. There they Read that. Read that again. Wantless. They returned this indictment for involuntary manslaughter based on the unlawful killing of Conrad Roy the Third by mm-hmm. wanton and reckless conduct. Oh, so I just combined those two words. So that wasn't okay. <laughs> Got it. I did. No, I did. Wantless. Correct. <laughs> Shorter. Abbreviated. Okay. All right. So Michelle was booked and released on bail the following day. Um, I want to pause here. Okay. Involuntary manslaughter. Unlawful killing of someone by wanton and reckless conduct. Mm-hmm. Okay. I'm going to read you some of the text messages. This, this, again, I'm going to go, I'm going to keep saying this. This case is based entirely on a transcript of text messages between Michelle and Conrad mm-hmm. supplemented by other text messages from Michelle to and from Michelle and a group of girls that she goes to school with. Okay. Some of the text messages to Conrad. When are and you going to do I'm it? I'm sorry. Is this the, the day he died or is this leading, like, leading up this to? This is leading up to. Okay. 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 Got it. When are you going to do it? You can't keep pushing it off. Are you going to do it tonight? 
if you were looking through Little Sprinkle's phone and you saw those on his phone, what would you do? Oh, I mean, yeah, I mean, it, 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 that makes me sick to think that you would be texting somebody that you know is suffering from really serious mental illness like that instead of communicating with their parents or, you you know, whatever other friends of theirs saying, Hey, we really need to get him help. We really need to get him help. Um, you know, yeah. Now granted, I think I, I probably look at it maybe a little differently, you know, because I have someone I love in my life that, you know, has suffered from, um, really serious depression and, you know, suicidal ideation. So I probably come at it from, a different place. Like had this person not gotten help, that person might not be here with us today. And Mm -hmm. I think about that a lot. And so when I see that, I'm like, I guess kind of like you said, like the police said that like, if it weren't for that, Conrad might be here still Mm -hmm. today. And so I guess initially when I hear that, I do not think she is criminally responsible for his death. Mm -hmm. I think though, that she should be held criminally responsible for not seeking emergency services, emergency care for him. Mm-hmm. Whatever that, like, do I know what law that is? I don't even know that it is a law. I don't know. Right. But. Oof. Yeah. Okay. Ugh. So I feel gross about it. I feel gross about the whole thing. Yeah. So, well, prepare to be, like, oh, even it doesn't more get better. Out. It gets worse. <laughs> um, so the, the uh, Bristol County Assistant DA, Katie Rayburn, um, in court, she says, Michelle assisted Conrad's suicide by counseling him to overcome his doubts. She encouraged and guided him and told him he was strong enough to do it. Ooh. As part of the investigation, it was discovered that Conrad called Michelle at 6.28 p.m., on July 12th, 2014, mm-hmm. and he talked to her for about 43 minutes. Wow. At 7 at 7:12 p.m., Michelle called Conrad. They talked for about 47 minutes. It is I don't know how I want to phrase this because this is very important. It um Conrad at this point during this this Last 47-minute call. Conrad mm-hmm. gets out of the car. He gets out of his truck. Um, and Mich- Michelle tells him to get back in. Oh, my God. Okay. So that was the last phone call of Conrad's life. So here's a question, though. How – this is just a logistical question. How do they know that's what she said to him? She, like, admitted to that? Emily – this is why we have you on this podcast. This is, this is why y'all pay me the big bucks to be here. We will get back to that, but that's okay. a really great question. Okay. Um. So I want to pause here. Actually, no, I don't. I want to <laughs> okay. keep going a little bit. It's your podcast. We can do, do whatever you want. So Michelle's defense attorney, Um. his name is Joseph Cadaldo. I actually really kind of like this guy. I think he's is like he a little- Is he cute? I mean, he's cute, but he's like kind of a ham, like in court, like- Watching him, like, yeah, he's very, like, oh, he's very, like, like, very expressive facial like expression to the 10. Yeah, that was how I would be. <laughs> um, I would not be able to resist the urge. <laughs> yeah, like, he's he's a little bit of a ham, but I really like him. I think that he 
did his best by Michelle. Yeah. Um, I can't imagine trying to take on this case, but I think that the points he was making, we'll go through some of them as we go on. But I think the points that he were, you know, was making, were making, um, were really good ones. So, mm-hmm. um, Michelle's defense attorneys appeal the grounds for indictment. Um, they essentially are saying, look, her conduct may be reprehensible. She may be a terrible, yeah, awful, gross. no good, very bad person, but it's not criminal. Mm-hmm. Right. So there is no law that criminalizes the encouragement of suicide in Massachusetts. So the question is, can speech alone be grounds for manslaughter? Hmm. Great question. Yeah. That's a great question. If I say, jump off that bridge. Right. And you jump off and you, you die. Am I held? Am I criminally responsible? Right. Mm. Uh, see, and but I feel like it's even like dicier than that because it's not just you saying to me, "Hey, Emily, jump off that bridge." It's me saying to you, "Hey, Sarah, I'm really struggling. I'm in a really bad place. I really, really need help." And you saying, "Go jump off that bridge." Right. Okay. Like I feel like, yeah. and that's where I keep coming down on this. I feel like it's almost more of a. She should be held responsible for not rendering emergency aid in this situation. Like, I look at it like you are grinning like the cat ate the canary. Sarah knows something. I don't know. Am I about to be made to look like an asshole when you tell me the no, rest of the story? No, 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 Like, I feel like it's the same as if, like, you were hit by a car and you were laying bleeding, dying in the street. And I, like, walked by and was like, yeah, well, nothing to see here. And <laughs> just like carried on. Like I should be held responsible for not rendering emergency aid and not call and I guess by rendering I mean like calling 911, call right? Like getting you help. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I think that's a good But point. I don't know. I don't know. If I see you dying in the street, am I required to help? Like, I don't know if that's even illegal. Well, be. I'm your sister, so yes, you are. <laughs> oh, okay. Sarah's law. <laughs> You're also the legal guardian of my children. I have to keep them alive in case something happens to me. <laughs> okay. All right. Here we go. <laughs> um, so let me give you a little bit more information. Let's see if you change your mind. I'm going to be um, like an asshole. <laughs> You're going to tell me something. Here. You're not. Like, We're not. I promise. I'm going to make us re-record this entire thing. <laughs> Listen, I said at the beginning, I I, can't, I don't have a side. I, I yeah. still... I, I went into this recording saying I have to have a side by the time we record. And I This I is don't. sister I don't hate to break it to you. This is sister's take a side. Well, this sister doesn't have one. Okay. Well, <laughs> and I this guess one's I'm about fired. to be made to look an asshole. So <laughs> continue, please. So um a probable cause hearing is held. Um so get this. I did not know this. So Massachusetts is one of eleven states that does not have a statute that addresses this particular issue. But okay. Massachusetts does have an involuntary manslaughter statute that refers to, again, we're going back to wanton and reckless conduct, resulting, conduct. In the, resulting in the death or causing the death of another person. So the argument is, can verbal conduct become wanton and reckless? Think mm. about that. So, so – 
this is a, pr- a, a precedent setting case. Right. Because you're talking about, you know, you're talking about free speech. Did she coerce him? Hmm. Yeah. <sighs> right? Yeah. Um I think pro- I think speech can I think speech can be you think speech can be criminalized. Mm. <laughs> right? <laughs> right? Um g- Yes. Because speech can incite violence. Speech can just like okay, just like it's illegal to go into a movie theater and yell fire. Right? Like it's illegal to do that, even though it's free speech. You can't do that because you are causing harm to people. Just like it maybe well, should be. Here goes my afternoon plans. Okay. <laughs> like <laughs> maybe it should be illegal to tell people to storm the Capitol. But, you know, I'll leave that there. <laughs> So the prosecution, the state is saying, no, this was a campaign of coercion. She coerced him to do it. She encouraged him to do it. Yeah. She X, 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 right? And the defense is saying, okay, even if she did that, fine. Like, even if I'll agree with you and say that, yes, this is a campaign of coercion, which, by the way, the defense does not think. But let's say for for argument's sake that they do, the state of Massachusetts still doesn't criminalize that. So essentially mm. – what the defense is saying is, listen, you are twisting the law to find someone culpable in this because you don't want to believe mm-hmm. that an 18-year-old said, you know what? I'm going to put this plan together and I am I am going to end my life. You want someone to be culpable Ugh, in this. Yeah. Well, and so that kind of makes me think, and, and stop me if you're getting to this later in your notes, but – I would imagine, and I don't know, but I would imagine his parents are probably a big driving force behind this. Absolutely. Well, she's to blame because I can imagine as a parent wanting to find anyone, someone, anything to blame for the Absolutely. death of your child. Absolutely. I, and, you know, I, I I cannot imagine being Lynn or, or Conrad Jr. Um, I can't imagine that. Especially, you know, we're going to talk in a little bit about about his family and about, you know, his family life. Um, I, you know, no, I, I, I can't imagine. Can you hear my child crying? No. Why is he crying? Oh, Isn't he now this? No, this is little meatball crying. This is now the oh. second time we've recorded. And this is the second of my children <laughs> to <laughs> cry. In the middle. Oh, do you so, need to go check on him? No. Timothy has got it under control. Sorry, continue. Okay. Um, So the Supreme Judicial Court um, does decide to uphold the indictment. So Michelle's going to trial, y'all. Off to court, girl. Off to court. Um, I'm going to pause here and I want to tell you a little bit about who Conrad was and a little bit about Michelle. Because it's important going into this, uh, going into the trial. So like we've already said, Conrad Roy III, he um, he was 18 at the time this happened. Um, he comes from um, a pretty, you know, middle class uh, Massachusetts family. Mm-hmm. Um, the family um, worked on the water and played on the water, <laughs> uh, according to his father. <laughs> Do you have that tattooed somewhere on your body? <laughs> no, but I might. 
But she might. Um, he, his parents divorced, um, right, when he was about, like, going into high school. They mm-hmm. weren't very clear on that, but it sounds like um, at about high school age, Conrad's parents both divorced. Um, it is noted later on this was a very violent and contentious divorce. Oh, shit. Okay. Yeah, which really uprooted kind of his life. Yeah, that's sad. Yeah. Um, Conrad's grandfather, uh, so Conrad Roy Sr., his father, Conrad Roy Jr., um, they were all in the same, like, shipping salvage boat business. (laughs) So Conrad, uh, just a few weeks before um, Conrad died by suicide, um, he had gotten his captain's license. Okay. Just a few weeks before he died. Um, so everyone was kind of saying, you know, why would he do this? He, Mm-mm. you know, he, um, in high school, he, his grades started to slip. Um, he was telling his parents, I just, I'm having a hard time focusing. I'm having racing thoughts. I, you know, he, and, and him, and he himself was very vocal about a lot of the mental health issues that he was experiencing. He had mm-hmm. really bad social anxiety, crippling um, social anxiety. Yeah. Um, going into high school, he, um, had crippling depression. Wow. Um, his parents are quoted as saying that they took him to every doctor, specialist, psychiatrist that they could oh, find. Wow. Okay. I feel like that's uh, kind of unheard of, especially for like young men. That's, yeah, I, I'm actually. I mean, that's pretty. That's fantastic. Yeah. Um, in June of 2014, um, Conrad was put on Celexa. Um, oh, that's which pretty is a, heavy duty mm, stuff. Mm-hmm, which is a psych- psychiatric uh, medication for um, some of the issues that Conrad was experiencing. So that was June 2014. So that's a month before he died. The month before he died. Wow. Okay. So our um, so, okay, so I'm Michelle's defense lawyer, and I'm in my I'm thinking, well, a lot of these medications can increase your risk of suicide, especially in teenagers and young adults. Especially, yeah. Now, now we sound like a commercial. Now we're a commercial. <laughs> now right, I'm mad. But right, like, so if I'm her defense lawyer, I'm saying, okay, he's starting this medication, and a known side effect is an increased risk of suicide. Interesting. Okay. So Conrad meets Michelle Carter in 2012. Okay. Um, They met in Florida. um, So on a family trip. Um, Conrad was down there. His great aunt um, lived at this place. Michelle's grandparents lived there. Grandparents and great aunt were friends. Mm -hmm. Michelle meets Conrad through her grandparents. Bada bing, bada boom. Here we are. They're going on bike rides. They went to the beach. Um, That's nice. Yeah, so they, you know, how crazy they're from, both from Massachusetts, meet mm-hmm. each other in Florida. Um, Michelle Carter, so just to to tell you a little bit about her, on the out, you know, from, from all reports, she was a good student. She had great grades. Um, she was athletic. She was on multiple different sports teams. She was polite, respectful, sweet, caring, described as a people pleaser. Mm-hmm. Um <laughs> Well, just wait. It gets back. <laughs> and she's also described as very needy. Oh, <laughs> um, 
Yeah. Um, Am I about to have secondhand embarrassment for this poor teenage girl? Yes. Uh, um, <laughs> you know, Michelle was one of those girls who needed a lot of attention. Mm-hmm. Um, she didn't understand why the other girls wouldn't call to hang out with her. Oh, God. <laughs> She didn't understand why no one would call and check on her. No, oh, it's me. Girl. <laughs> what? Okay. This is – what if someone that we went to high school with is like listening to this right now? Please turn it off. I don't – please turn it off. Please stop. <laughs> if you are, you all were mean to me and <laughs> – this is just bringing back terrible memories. I, you know, oh, I'm like so sad for on her, like, because God, have we not all been there? I'm sorry, but like, listen, being a teenager is awful. So it's not bad. easy for anybody, no. right? Um, but especially with those that. of us that like can't hang with the cool kids, but you just desperately want to, and you're oh god, yeah, yeah, and, and so combine teenage angst with. Michelle had documented severe eating disorders, depression. Oh, wow. She was cutting. Um, oh, geez. Okay. So she's isolating, right? So she is she is partake, partaking in isolating or isolation activities. Mm-hmm. Then she meets Conrad, who has his own set of Yeah. I mean, they sound problems. like two people that are really suffering from pretty serious mental illnesses. Yes. Yeah. So that's a little bit about Conrad and Michelle. Conrad and Michelle. Um, I did. I, I did want to throw this in here. Um, so when you talk about Conrad's parents' divorce, it was mm-hmm. very violent. It was very contentious. Um, the dad at one point um, had called the police on Conrad's mom. Oh wow! There so like violent on that. Like his mom was violent. Violent. Well, allegedly. Allegedly, mm-hmm. um, there is documented evidence Conrad's dad was arrested for assault and battery domestic um, when he oh, wow. um, he got into a altercation with Conrad. Um, as it goes, Conrad uh, Jr. had asked the son, Conrad, to put dishes away or something. And Conrad mm-hmm. said, yeah, I'll do it after the commercial break. The dad said, no, you'll do it now. Um, a physical altercation ensued. Um, his mm. dad punched him five or ten times in the face. Oh, my God. Father's girlfriend is quoted as saying, you're a piece of shit and no one likes you. Father was arrested. Um, oh, my God. <laughs> I will note – so his dad is was is asked about this in the documentary and <laughs> I just – Maybe this is the maybe this is a culture thing. Maybe this is I don't know. But his dad says, "Yeah, well, you know, I was being a parent, and I would do the same thing all over again." I feel like that's very like '90s, 2000s parenthood, New England. Just yeah, like I mean, you're right. It's like a generational thing, and like I I don't say that as like an excuse, but yeah, Yeah. gross. So that's the environment that Conrad's in. Yeah, that's really sad. Yeah, yeah. Um. 
Okay. So but, that's then, the Okay, but sorry, I'm going to interrupt you again. No. Because then I'm also thinking, like, he must also be, like, desperately seeking the approval of his dad regardless. Like, he's doing this captain thing, right? Mm-hmm. He's going into the the boating – what did you say? He, he plays and he lives on the boat. <laughs> like, right? So to me, that speaks to a young man who is also desperately seeking the love and approval of his wife. Did you get a text message? No. Oh. I was giving a second look to make sure I wasn't missing anything. Sarah's Sarah's waiting for that risky text back. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry, everybody. Yeah. I think if that's I need to cut good- that, I will. <laughs> okay. I think that's a very good point. Uh, very good points you make there, Emily. Okay. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. Okay. So, June 5th, 2017. Trial okay, starts. Okay. So, now we're – Okay. So, she's – Okay. Yeah, so the trial starts. So we're in 2017. Um, this is very interesting. So Michelle waives a jury trial and instead does a bench trial. I okay, let me t- again, I'm gonna interrupt you again. Let me tell you why I don't think that that is that surprising. Because yeah, please do, because I'm I'm about to, so please. Oh, oh. no, I, I want to hear your take. Oh, tell me. God, she's wow. No, go ahead. No, 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 no. No, no. You've already, you're, you're already there. You might as well give it to us. <laughs> so I, in my my four years of going to school for a degree in criminology, um, <laughs> one little, little tidbit that I remember is that if you are on trial and your case is like based in legal fact like this, right? Like your defense is based in legal yeah, fact. Great. Yes. Your defense is like yeah. that, like some legalese nonsense. You want a bench trial because judges are more likely to, you know, rule on the side of like legal. But like if your defense is based on emotion, like I killed him because whatever, right? Like you have some kind of emotional defense. You want a jury trial because jurors are more likely to like just absolutely disregard the law and return a verdict based on emotion. thousand percent. And that's exactly the point that they made. This case is all law related. Remember earlier when I was like, law. When you were really trying hard to. (laughs) Yes. This is all law related. Right. Jury trials, there is an element of emotion. Yeah. And this case it's it's all law related. I mean, you, your your defense is is directly related to the law as it stands and as it's written. Right. A jury, you're right. A jury is not gonna not gonna get that. So, Judge Lawrence Moniz, Moniz, Mo- I may be Mo- mispronouncing that. <laughs> <What>? <laughs> will be presiding over this case, and and everyone says this was a genius move by the defense. I mean, hundred oh, percent, yeah, genius move, right? Um. This trial is pretty much every teenager's worst nightmare. Um, oh again, it's based on an entire transcript of text messages from a 17 and 18 year old's phone. I just stopped sweating. I'm going to start. Again. Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, I can't. Yeah. So um, the prosecution's argument that I wrote down in my notes. That you're now frantically searching for. That I am looking for, <laughs> that I should have highlighted 
but I didn't. Don't worry, we'll wait. <laughs> da, na, na, na. I know I broke this right in front of me. It's right there. So the prosecution, <laughs> I'm going to give you the prosecution in defense because again, this trial is like, was heartbreaking to watch. It was heartbreaking yeah. to listen to. Um, the prosecution suggests their argument is that Michelle needed to be this grieving girlfriend to get sympathy and attention from the friend friends that she thought that she mm. had that she didn't really have. Mm-hmm. And so she had to convince Conrad to kill himself because it was a means to an end. She would become the grieving Ooh, girlfriend. That's gross. They, you know, they brought friends I they brought girls that Michelle went to school with up on the stand who were basically like, yeah, I mean like she would text us sometimes and like, you know, we'd, yeah, I mean, I'd kind of blow her off or like, no, it wasn't mm-hmm. usual for me, you know. Um, they pointed out the um, homers for Conrad. I don't know if you, if this sounds familiar or not to you, but they, Michelle, um, Conrad really loved baseball. So mm-hmm. she put on like a charity baseball event instead After of he doing died. it. Yeah, instead of doing it mm-hmm. in Mattapoisett where his friends and family were, she did it in Plainville where her friends and family were. And his friends were like, well, what the hell? Like, why would you do it there? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, like, her only concern was, well, like, you're not trying to steal my idea, are you? Like, this was my idea. My friends and family are here. I've already set it up. I can't move it. Um, the The prosecution, you know, when the girls from school were on the stand, they made the point, you know, would you have ever willingly gone over to Michelle's house? And they were like, well, mm-hmm. no. And the prosecution's like, okay, but you did when you found out about what happened. And they were like, well, yeah, because like basically like that's the nice thing to – that's what you do, right? Yeah. Um. See, again, I'm like cringing because like – High school girl, like, oh I know. God, girls would have said that about me in high school. I know, and, and yeah, like, Michelle is sitting in the courtroom. It's not like Michelle Y'all isn't better there. not be listening to this. Is all I have to say. <laughs> right, so like she has to look at these these girls oh, that so she awful. thought were yeah. her friends. Mm-hmm. In her mind, they were her friends. Mm, yeah, but they, you know, but they they weren't. They I'm, like, so uncomfortable. I'm, like, <laughs> so uncomfortable. Girl, I know. I'm horrible. Um, oh, God. The defense, their their argument, again, um, that this case is just so unique that the prosecution is twisting the law. The law does not call this criminal. Um, the defense did file a motion for a required finding of not guilty. Um, the defense argued that, um, there's not sufficient evidence that Conrad wouldn't have done this if not for Michelle, Mm -hmm. which I think is very interesting. Um, at one point someone calls this, I have this written down. I, it just, it stuck out to me that this was the perfect storm of tragedy. A hundred percent. Yeah. This was two people. With serious mental illness, like feeding off of each other mm-hmm. in just a really, yeah, tragic way, 100%. Mm-hmm. Um, 
the big the big argument here, and I and I I think we've covered this, but can you cause someone to commit suicide? And the prosecution has to prove that yes, you can, and yes, Michelle caused this. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I don't know. Again, I don't have a side. Um, <laughs> this was the this was kind of the little conspiracy piece. So, oh my god, yes, tell me, I'm so excited. <laughs> So, you know, they're talking about this, like, campaign of coercion, and she coerced him into doing this. And one of the experts that they had made this this point, you know, Michelle is being painted, right, throughout the course of this trial and and this coming out to light. I mean, it's made national headlines. Nancy Mm -hmm. Grace has weighed in on her opinion. Of course Um, she has. You know, Esquire Magazine has a a reporter who's actually – He's interviewed in the, in the documentary. I should have written his, his name down. I want to say his last name is Baron, maybe, but he was making like some really excellent points. And, and um, you know, they were going into this whole like how Michelle was being painted, right? You know, she she mm-hmm. shows up for for court and she's um, thin and she's white and yeah. she's bottle blonde. Um, they refer to her as uh, tanning bed tan. Which like oh. barf, gross. Stop it, right? Sarah, and, circa 2016. <laughs> I know. And they're like, you know, Michelle knew she was going to be on camera. She was camera ready. She showed okay. up to this trial camera ready. I'm and sorry, like, I would too. Right. Like, and I, <laughs> yeah. And they're I saying, mean, you know, this is a witch hunt. Um, they go into how like. Men are terrified of women because yeah, women, okay. like, you know, what? Because women can, can vote and drive cars now. That's terrifying. right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know that the because the prosecution's point is, well, she killed a guy to be popular. Yeah. Right. So they're saying, you know, um, she this witchy, satanic, coercive way that women oh, have. Um, and that's like what sold newspaper. I mean, that was like right. the intrigue of it all is like, oh, you know, it's like, can we all sit down and like relax? Like, right. Stop drink. it. Yeah. <laughs> stop it. You know, it, it's just, it's just gross. And, but I think that it, you know, in the, in the court of public opinion, that went a really long way for people yeah. to be like, oh, she's a hundred percent, like lock her up. She's 100% guilty of this, not even knowing, like, the legalese or legal part of any of this. Well, it, so- it sounds like maybe because she was just, like, unlikable, right? Right. People were like, you look like a bitch. I'm like, right. you are a bitch, and I don't like you, so. You're the quintessential you, right. teenage girl. Yeah. And we are going to, to, to slaughter you for it. Yeah. Pretty much. So are we Michelle probably- apologists? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Um, I don't like Michelle. No, I, I don't like either. watching her in the courtroom. Yeah. I, I don't like Michelle. I. And we're actually, we're going to get into it because prosecution rest defense is up. Um, mm-hmm. I empathize with Michelle. I sympathize with Michelle, but I don't like her. No. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the defense puts on the stand um, this 
doctor by the name of Peter Bregan. He was the psychiatrist that was brought in initially to look at the psychiatric medications that Conrad had been taking and to basically say, listen, can any of these cause suicidal thoughts or tendencies? So Peter Bregan, you know, finds that yes, um, you know, Conrad had been put on Celexa a month before he passed. Mm -hmm. Um, When you look at the labels for this medication, and can directly lead to the increased risk of suicidal ideation and behavior. So Dr. Bregan was like, look, you know, I think Celexa was a contributing factor, but I don't think it was an overwhelming factor. He mm-hmm. was responding to and reacting to a very unhappy and violent family life. Mm. So then he looked at the medication that Michelle was on. Mm-hmm. Um, she was put on citalopram in 2014, but she had also been put on Prozac in 2011. Oh, wow. So she'd been on it for a long time. So she was, and she had been on it very young. Yeah. So 20, I mean, she would have been, wow, that is, that is quite young. Hashtag not a doctor. I don't know, but that seems very young. Really young to be on that kind of medication. Again, right. Not and a doctor. Now, I don't know. But and now remember, she's suffering from an eating disorder, which aggravates mm. the use of Prozac, right? So she never should have been on Prozac to begin with because of the eating disorder, because the eating disorder aggravates the side effects of Prozac. Yeah, like I'm sure you don't absorb the medication right. correctly if you're Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So shortly after Michelle started taking Prozac, Michelle tried to kill herself. Oh, wow. She tried to hang herself in the <gasps> closet. Oh, my at like, God. At like 14 years of age. Like, oh, like we're talking oh about. Oh, my God. That is very, horrible. Yes. We're talking about very young individuals oh. here. Conrad, after starting his medication, was admitted. So Conrad had at least four – had attempted suicide at least four times. What? I don't think I knew that. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. That is after so starting, Oh, his poor parents. Mm-hmm. Oh. After starting the Celexa, mm-hmm. he had a very serious attempt and was hospitalized for, like, several days. Oh, my God. I feel like weirdly, like really emotional hearing that about both of them. I don't, I don't know, but like, yeah, that is dev. I mean, these are kids. Like, these are children. That it. Oh my god, that makes me sick. So the thing. So now, my, and I'm going to remind you, Michelle lives in one part of Massachusetts. Conrad lives in another. They, over the course, the totality of their relationship, mm-hmm. they saw each other in person. They say maybe five times total total over I mean, the course of two years. Kind of sounds like a dream. <laughs> Been married a long time. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Just kidding. Just kidding. Um, so after all of these attempts on Conrad's part, he's telling Michelle about what he's done. Mm-hmm. She he knows that she has attempted this before. So, mm-hmm. so the thing that they're like bonding on 
Mm-hmm. Are these experiences that they've both been through? I mean, they have a lot in common. I like I right. Yeah. Dr. Bregan is reported Ooh. as saying because there's a very strong at one point in the texts, um, and we're gonna get back to this in just a minute, but there's a very strong um like uh, movie TV show theme that runs through a lot of the messages from Michelle to Conrad. Mm -hmm. Um, There's a lot of references to Romeo and Juliet, for example. Okay. Um, The least romantic story (laughs) I've ever heard in my entire life. But not when you're their age. At our age, we can look back and be like, oh my God, like that's terrifying. If some boy had said to me in high school (laughs) – we're star-crossed lovers. In Miss Sample's AP English class, Sarah's up in here reading Romeo and Juliet. And I was like, yes. Of course you are. Of course you are. <laughs> okay. Um, Great. So Dr. Bregan, he says this thing that just like absolutely broke my heart into pieces. But he said, these were not star-crossed. They were not star-crossed. They were drug-crossed. Oh, God. Yeah. No. Yeah. Oh, that's horrible. If I'm if I'm the defense, I just put up a pretty good case. Oh yeah, I a hundred percent. If we're the defense right? lawyers, I am leaning into the fact these kids were on serious, powerful medications. And like I am not anti medication. I I no. not at all. Like you do you boo. I just think that it yeah, I mean the side effects are an increased risk of suicide. So if I am Michelle's defense attorney, I am leaning so hard into that. Yeah. I think I think I would lean into that plus the – this is actually not against the law according to Massachusetts law, yeah. which is why I'm arguing in front of a judge and not a jury. I mean, and they pointed out consistently, he has wanted to do this for years. Yeah. So do, does his suicide attempts predate his relationship with Michelle? That is a really good question, and I try to find yeah. specific dates. I think because he was a minor at the time, those records would be sealed at this point. Like, I don't think – Yeah. You're, you're not sure. Okay. I'm, just, I'm not sure. Yeah. yeah. I, I I I mean, they were know. only together, what, one year? I feel like four – did you just knock your mic over? I just knocked my whole mic over. I'm so sorry. <laughs> Continue. Um. Like I right, I mean they're only together a year. Four suicide attempts. I mean, not that obviously not that it's that's impossible, but that would be quite a few suicide attempts to have in one year. Yes. Um. Yeah, I don't. I don't know the answer to that, but I think that's a very good question. Yeah. Um. So Dr. Bregan at this point brings up the idea of involuntary intoxication. Now, okay. <laughs> I hate this. If you know anything about this case, you know that this was like, bum, bum, bum. <laughs> I feel like everyone does this, though. Like, every fr- famous true crime case is like, he was just crazy for the 10 minutes when right. he killed her. Like, oh, that's fucking convenient. Like, right. <laughs> so. I am not doc- doing that. So Dr. Bragan says, due to the medication that Michelle was taking mm-hmm. on July 2nd, she her texts flip. So instead of saying no, don't do it, don't do it. On mm-hmm. July second, she starts saying, "Okay, pills, stab yourself. Oh my god, shoot yourself. 
she starts helping him because he's saying to her, listen, the one thing you can do to make me hate you forever is to tell someone I'm going to do this. Mm. Nothing is going to stop me at this point. No no one and nothing can help me. (sighs) Yeah. Dr. Bregan believes that she wasn't, it wasn't, she wasn't doing it to, she, 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 because of this involuntary intoxication, because of the medication she's taking, she goes into what they call a hypomanic state. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> she wasn't doing it to harm him. Mm-hmm. She thought she was helping him. Now, what do you think about for that? My, to pull from my psychology. psychology Guys, <laughs> yes, please, um, Dr. Sarah, tell us. I don't love this. I don't no. love this as no. a defense. Yeah. I think um, when you look at involuntary intoxication in the psychology field, almost all psychiatrists – I'm not going to say almost all. The majority of psychologists, this is not it, – it's not a real thing. Um, most psychologists don't even recognize this as a, as a diagnosis. Oh, interesting. Okay. So this is – okay. This but- is – you know, and, and like when you look up Dr. Bregan – one of like the, cute? the well no he's like a hundred but one of the first <laughs> one of the first Google searches you see is Doctor Bregan Quack Shut because up. <laughs> because that's fantastic <laughs> of this involuntary intoxication thing yeah I think you it's kind of quacky I, yeah I don't yeah. love it yeah. I don't love it I I think it's too convenient um, it's very yeah it's very convenient i think there are other things we can say i do i think michelle went into a hypomanic state maybe because she's in mm. in her mind she's in a relationship with a boy who is telling her the only thing you can do to make me hate you forever is to tell someone about this and to like try and stop me the only thing michelle wants yeah. from anyone in her life is to love her oh god i know i know but I don't think that excuses it. I don't think – I think that explains it. Yeah. Maybe. Maybe. Yeah. Not but that again, it's like, right. we're talking about children, right? Like, like I can take right. my 30-something-year-old brain and be like, that's fucking nuts. But, you know, we're talking about kids. Right. Yeah. Um, I don't like it, though. So I have this in my notes as LOL for Emily. <laughs> so <laughs> – Joseph Calvado, the de- the defense attorney, of course, is like, you know, doctor, thank you so much for joining us today. No. So the DA gets up there and she goes, she refers to him as sir. <laughs> sir, is could it- you please read this in front of you? Doesn't refer to him as a doctor. I love it so much. <laughs> it is the pettiest thing I have ever seen in my life. And I was totally. Wait, but I have to know, did he say, actually, it's doctor? That's <laughs> he I didn't, was- but like, I kind of wished that he would. I have known doctors to have done this in the past. Know. And I would have just loved for him to be like, um, it's actually doctor to you. But he didn't do it. Um, Can I didn't. tell you that one time? This is so embarrassing. Why am I even telling you this? One time I was. <laughs> Oh God! Having a little of an altercation with a—I don't even tell you the whole story—with a gentleman who kept referring to me as Miss, like I'm like 12 years old, and I was like, "It's Mrs. Actually, like it's some like big feat to be like married." Wow! <laughs> but like, don't good job. You really got him, him. I really showed him who was boss. <laughs> Sorry, continue. <laughs> um. 
So the the prosecution basically is like, sir, like <laughs> she, and they go through the whole thing again. You know, not to mention, I don't think I mentioned this. She, um, two days before, so on July tenth, mm-hmm. Michelle texts this group of girls, and she's like, "Oh my god, Con- Conrad's missing. Like, no one knows where he is. Oh my god, mm-hmm. oh my god, oh my god." And all of her friends are like, oh, my God, like, I'm sure everything's okay. Like, don't worry. Like, this isn't on you. Meanwhile, Michelle was texting Conrad at the <gasps> same time. Wait, what? Oh, I didn't so know the, this either. So the prosecution is like, she, dude, she did a dry run. Oh, she shit. Tested she pretended. Whoa. And then, and then what? She, like, said to him, oh, no, he's been found? Or she, like, carried this on until they she don't could go text into them it, and but say, like, oh, he died. They don't go into it. But, like, the prosecution is like – Doctor or sir, because I'm going to call you doctor because I'm a petty biatch. I love it so much. Sir, like, explain this. How could she have been involuntarily oh, intoxicated damn. if she's doing a dry run and she's getting the response that she wants? She's getting the attention that she wants. She's getting the sympathy she wants. What do you mean she was involuntarily intoxicated? No, she oh, wasn't. Fuck. Okay, lock her up. I'm sorry. I'm back. <laughs> do you see what I'm saying? Yes. Bye. Get out of here. <laughs> you gotta go. Now we're gonna we're gonna re-record this whole episode because I was in the show apologist this entire time. We've been recording for an hour, we're gonna redo this entire thing. Wow. So, so that's yeah. nuts to me. Yeah. So oh, the documentary like does a all. cool thing here where they kind of they they kind of stop and they're like, look, like this is every parent's worst nightmare. No, oh, it's horrible. This obviously. is horrible. Yeah. This relationship and and actually like it's pretty common now. This entire relationship was via text. There is an mm-hmm. immediate intimacy, right, mm-hmm. in yeah. a text message, in being able to receive an incoming message, an incoming set of words that fulfills a certain feedback loop yeah. for an individual, right? 100%. Yeah. You are interacting, in, but but this is dangerous for anyone, Let's say for anyone right now, because you are creating a character in your head, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. You, you don't know their body language. You don't hear tone. You are intimating something in your head and you're living in that fantasy Yeah, that maybe isn't quite reality. Oh, now, 100%. Yeah. I am guilty of this. She says as she waits for a text back. <sighs> Shut up. Now, imagine you are a anxious, depressed 17-year-old. I mean, I am two of those things. I'll address which ones. Yeah. So yeah. this is – this. you know, there, there's an argument to be made that this was more in Michelle's head, this relationship mm-hmm. – the, I mean, the I love you text messages. I mean, holy shit. I mean, out of control, right? I love you. You're the light of my life. I bought you a star because Aww. you shine so brightly in my life. That's so nice. Right? Oh. Like, can you buy me a star? Girl. <laughs> I'm going to get a little sprinkle of star. You're going to get a little sprinkle of star? star. Ooh. Yes, I'll I love am. that. Little meatball will be jealous. <laughs> you can get a little meatball. I'll get him a star too. Okay, in case you're wondering which one of my children Sarah loves more, wow. 
<laughs> hope, boys, hope you're not listening to this one day. <laughs> um, so yeah, so there's, you know, there's the argument that's made that like this was way more in Michelle's head than it really was based at all in reality. Interesting. Yeah. Um, Anyone, but again, I feel like that's so relatable. A thousand percent that's is relatable. so relatable. Yeah. A thousand percent. And most people have the, you know, you either have the capacity to be able to say, okay, I this is like all in my head. Yeah. And you can separate that. But when you are seeking that type of validation and you're receiving it, you aren't, you know, I don't think it's easy to say, well, she should have just been able to separate it. Yeah. No, right? I, I, I agree. Cause I mean, I'm thinking even like, I mean, to let, let's be totally honest right now, you and I are in our thirties. How many times even now as adults, do we do this shit? Right? Like how many all the time guys have <laughs> you like started dating or whatever? And you're like, making shit up in your head like i mean just to be perfectly honest right or even just like interactions with like coworkers or just like other family members right how often are we like inventing this whole scenario in our heads we're like it probably isn't even true a thousand percent yeah, yeah. and like yeah this microphone um a thousand percent. i'm sorry are you telling me the 20 dollar microphone from amazon is not it's, <laughs> it's not like wobbling great. understand <laughs> a thousand percent i mean look at you know online dating same yeah. thing. I mean, you, you don't know this person from Adam. Li- yeah, it's literally like an avatar. It's literally a caricature. Yes. Caricature? Yes. Yeah. So, like we were talking about earlier with the whole, like, Romeo and Juliet, the TV references, um, another big thing associated with this case when you look into it is Glee. I'm, like, vaguely – like, I have vague recollections of, like, Glee being – Yeah. So, Glee was TV show came out. I never watched it. I was never really Me neither. Into it. Yeah, um, it was very popular with this age group, with you know, seventeen, eighteen, sixteen year old age group. Um, it was ba- it was set in an American high school. Um, the two, you know, big main characters, um, uh, Corey Monteith played the male main mm-hmm. character. Leah Michelle played um the female male female main character. Holy cow. Whoa. <laughs> Whew, book talk's gonna come for me so hard. <laughs> FMC, <laughs> FMC. <laughs> um uh so they dated in the show, but then the actors dated in real life. That's cute. I love when that happens. I know, right? Mm-hmm. Um so Michelle Carter was like obsessed with Leah Michelle, like all of her tweets and like like she okay. was super into Leah Michelle, and she would take quotes from the TV show between Corey Monteith and mm-hmm. Leah Michelle's characters and send those to Conrad as like That's her cute. words. So instead of being like, "Oh my gosh," on the show Glee. This character who's in love with this character said this. No, no, no. She was saying this. Okay. So she's like pretending like it's her words that she's like, okay, yeah, yeah. So in almost to the day, a year before Conrad um, commits, passes away, um, Corey Monteith overdoses in a Canadian hotel 
and he passes away. Oh, like the act, like not the on the actor. show, like the actor, the actor in real life. Ooh, oh, that's sad. Overdoses. Hmm. The show decides to that the character will also die in the show. Well, yeah. What so, choice? To- <laughs> well, could have moved away. They didn't have to like kill him. Oh, off. that's true. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, what? They're going to, like, hologram him in? Like, fuck. Sorry. <laughs> um, so they do a tribute episode. It's Aww. very sad. Yeah, jeez. Obviously, the characters are crying. But it's this weird thing where, like, the characters are mourning the loss of this high school football player. Yeah. While in real life, at the same exact point in time, they are mourning the loss of a coworker, a fellow yeah, actor. Yeah, that's kind of weird. Right? I don't know about that. So, Leah Michelle, of course, is obviously you know heartbroken by this. Um, she's very sad. Obviously, her, her boyfriend had just passed away. Michelle Carter. As Leah Michelle's mm-hmm. biggest fan is now like, huh. what mm-hmm. is very concerning, I think. Um, there are document, doc, you know, text documented text messages of Michelle Carter taking phrases and words that Leah Michelle, real life Leah mm-hmm. Michelle, was saying to real life talk show hosts during interviews about this and referencing oh. that after Conrad passes away. Ooh, that's a little gross. Right. You know, okay. I feel like that's one of the things, it's almost like a red herring. Like it's like interesting. It's like a weird little like twist about this case. I'm not sure I can go so far as to say she convinced him to commit suicide because her favorite actress's boyfriend passed away like i mm, it's a little much i don't like it i don't like that i don't take it that far yeah who are you texting right now tell the Um, the people are now all invested in this beth wanted to know if we were still recording liz hi Hi, liz (laughs) so okay now we have to know our mom's name is elizabeth i think it's funny to call her liz but we told her we were calling her liz on the podcast and she didn't like that so she might have to be Beth from now on. <laughs> she goes by Beth in her, like, normal life. We calling her Beth? Sure. Okay. Wow. Sarah's over it's, it already. It's a good tangent. It's, it's, your, it's your podcast episode. You don't get to be over <laughs> it. Um, all right. So let's, 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 let's wrap this little bitty up, shall we? Um. So, you know, the argument is that Michelle has this desire for things to be more intense or more like stories than they actually are. Mm-hmm. Um, and that played a big kind of part in in this. So trial comes to an end. Um, you know, they make their closing arguments, heartbreaking on both sides. Um, you have two very, you know, for lack of a better term, and this sounds crass, but two very mentally unstable teenagers who, yeah. you know, met under – very, you know, rough circumstances and that's it. Um, judge deliberated for two days, only two days, comes back. Um, his, so he reads his verdict and 
you know, he's not required to give an explanation mm-hmm. of his verdict, but he decided to give a very in-depth um, – I thought it was a very well-thought-out mm-hmm. explanation for this. Um, he comes back and essentially says that, you know, there was a, a chain of self-causation – on Conrad's part, he bought the water pump. He bought the gas. Yeah. Thing. He got in his truck. He drove to Kmart. He he got he got it started, et cetera, et cetera. He breaks that chain of self-causation by getting out of the truck okay. while he's on the phone with Michelle. Mm-hmm. Michelle, in turn, had a duty to take reasonable steps. Carter took no steps. Michelle took no yep. steps. I'm I'm with I'm with judge so far. Um the judge said she had a self-created duty to take reasonable action. She was found guilty of an involuntary manslaughter because she did not take any steps to get him any help. Mhm. That was June of 2017. Okay. Um, the case is obviously still pending. We need to do sentencing. Um, the prosecution thinks this is a win. Oh, not a win. There's no winners here. The DA says there, there are no winners. No, but, but they won their case. I mean, they won their case. Yeah. Right. Michelle is going to be held responsible for this. July, 2017 sentencing. She faces a maximum of 20 years in prison. Oh shit. That's a long time. (laughs) <laughs> the judge gives her two and a half years sus- suspended until August 2022. Suspend? She didn't go at all? What? The defense files a motion of motion to stay. So prison time be delayed until all of her appeals are done. Okay. Um, the judge... Is like, you know, I figured you were going to do this. The judge says, yes, absolutely. I think there is a case for appeal here. What? What? Did Michelle tell him to get back in the truck? There's no recording of it. There's no. Right. Yeah. Text. There's no text saying, you know, that shows that. She the only the only thing that points to her telling him to get back in the truck is a text message that she sent her friend Sam Boardman two months after Conrad passed away that she fucking told him to get back in the truck. Mm, I don't think that's enough. The prosecution made a very strong argument. Michelle's a liar. We can't believe anything she says. Mm-hmm. She's manipulative. She knew what she was doing. She's coercive. Well, then how can you believe that? I wish I wish y'all could see Sarah's face. Sarah's doing the most with her facial expressions this episode. In February of 2019, um, Michelle's appeal is denied. The oh, state, interesting. Okay. The state... Uh, files a motion to revoke her stay, and Michelle is taken into custody. Oh, shit. She served 15 months. 
Ooh. and 12 days in jail. So 15 months. Okay. So that put, well, so here's my question. So that puts, she gets out of jail right at the start of the COVID pandemic. Was she released based on like prison? Like she was released in 2020, January of 2020. So oh, so that's probably, probably oh, not. Okay. So no, that's pre-COVID. She is under um, five-year court-ordered probation. She's very low profile. There is not a lot to find on her. Since so her she's release. just like out in the wild. She could be listening to this right now. Mm-hmm. Hey, girl. Call us. We have questions. <laughs> so that's it. What um? What are your thoughts? What side are you on? I. What do you think about this? So I I agree with the judge's opinion that she had a responsibility to render mm-hmm. emergency aid to him. Um, I yeah, I wholeheartedly agree with that. I'm surprised to learn that that qualifies for manslaughter, though. Like, I didn't realize that not rendering aid, emergency aid to someone, falls under manslaughter. I Wanton and reckless behavior. Yeah. Reckless being in that she did nothing. Yeah, so I I agree with that judgment. The sentence, I will... I think at the end of the day, the sentence was fair. I think she exhibited like want, I want to say wantless again. She <laughs> exhibited extreme disregard for human life. She exhibited extreme poor judgment, just really bad poor judgment. But I do think there were mitigating circumstances in her case. I think she suffered from mental illness. Mm-hmm. I think. I, I mean, God, I hate. I think Conrad probably would have committed suicide. Or excuse me, died by suicide, with or without her involvement. Mm-hmm. Would he have died that day? Maybe not. But he sound. It sounds like he was had a very severe, severe mental illness that was going to end up taking his life. Mm-hmm. Um. So, ooh, yeah, I, mm, I think. I'm going to go ahead and say I think justice was served here. What about you? You know, I don't know. <laughs> that sister still does not have a side. <laughs> I still don't have a side. And and I'll tell you why. Because I don't think our judicial system allows for the mitigating circumstances of mental illness, of um, abuse, Mm -hmm. right? I I don't think that our our judicial system doesn't allow for those types of contingencies. Do I think that there is a possibility he could have done it without her? Yes, a a thousand percent. The evidence is all there. His Google searches, you know, alone would have been evidence enough for me that this was something he wanted to do. Mm-hmm. Um, I struggle with Michelle. Yeah. I equal parts think she's a victim and equal parts think that she was playing out a fantasy and it cost this young man his life. 
Oof. Um, right? Yeah. No. Yeah. I, yes. I yep. think that argument is definitely there. I mean, that's that disregard for human life, right? I yeah. Mean, that is just, yeah. 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 Um, I don't know. I don't like it. I don't like it at all. <laughs> no. Yeah. Um, I think it's going to be interesting to see in the future if other cases use this as case, you know, what's the case law? Like, right. I'm curious to see how this will impact further. What the precedent setting of this is. Yeah. Yeah. Um, This is the world we live in. Like when I tell you like the transcript, they posted the transcript for throughout the entire trial. You know, even 10 years before this, Mm-hmm. This would have been, oh my gosh, this this poor kid. Yeah. You know, died right, by suicide. And and there's no well, we don't know why. Pre cell pre cell phones or pre yes. even just I mean, I feel like even like when you and I were like in high school, I mean obviously we had cell phones, but like it wasn't like But the technology was not what it is today. Right. And like it's only, you know, technology is only getting better. Now you have ring doorbells. You have, you know, like yeah. think of I mean I don't know. I don't know. I I I'm curious to see how this impacts, you know, further cases. I would be curious to see if Massachusetts changed any of their statutes after this. Mm-hmm. Being one of eleven states that doesn't have a statute that addresses this. Yeah, maybe not. Maybe not. They do. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I don't. I I don't know. I don't think I have a side. I think it's awful. I think oh, it it's baffles so sad. Me. The whole thing's so sad. Yeah. Um, but how do we know that she told him to get back in the truck? That's what I mean. I find that part interesting because, I mean, I feel. I mean, even. I mean, obviously not to this extent. But how many times do I exaggerate and like retelling right. shit to you? Even right. Right. Like, I think there's a really good chance she made an extremely poor judgment call and over exaggerated. Her role right. in this, which like is gross, but probably it's reprehensible, not... but is it criminal? Exactly, exactly. And that is sisters take a side on Michelle Carter. <laughs> so there you have it. That is sisters take a side. On Michelle Carter. Yeah, girl. Great um, job. Thanks. Em, what are you covering next week? Okay. Continuing my tradition of recording things that might actually not be true crime related at all. Uh, next week, I am doing The Watcher House. Ooh. This is so, the one in New Jersey, right? Yeah. So this is one based in New Jersey. You guys have probably heard about it recently because I think Netflix or Hulu mm-hmm. is doing like a TV adaption of it. Um, adaptation, I guess is probably the right word. So yeah, I'm doing The Watcher next week. Super excited, mostly because I'm just going to like get real close to the mic and read the creepy letters like this into your ear holes. I can't wait. <laughs> <laughs> So get excited, guys. Um, you love this, this case. I do love this, this case. Instance. Yeah. I'm super excited about this one. Um, so thanks for listening today. I'm um, so happy to have you guys here. Yeah. If 
you enjoyed today's episode. Um, we hope you'll subscribe to the podcast. Tell a friend. Tell two friends. Um, and if you loved it, we would love it if you left us a review. Um, five stars. Five points for Gryffindor, whatever it is, <laughs> these platforms. Um, if you didn't like it, no need to share. Just keep that to yourself. Keep that to yourself. Um, we also have an email. If you want to reach out to us, if you want to correct us on our pronunciation of Massachusetts towns, um, you can reach us at, I don't even know. It, oh, um, sisters.take.a.side at gmail.com. Yeah. Right. Is that the email address? No, that's the email address. (laughs) That's it, baby. You got it. Remember. Um, And all of our sources and notes from today's show will be in the show notes. So um, check it out there. Shout out to all the great sources um, Sarah found for this. So, all right. Anything else before we sign off? I don't think so, man. I'm I'm just, I can't take a side. I don't know. Okay. Well, you're on the wrong fucking podcast. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Goodbye, everybody. Goodbye, everyone. <laughs>